0: Hi, I'm Carol Daniel, talk show host and news anchor here at KMOX Radio, one of six radio stations in St. Louis, Missouri, owned by Odyssey. British Catholic historian John Dahlberg Action once said that history is not a burden on the memory, but an illumination of the soul. And that's what I want to do this month, and that is to illuminate illuminate my soul and yours by introducing you to various people who are right now making history. Carter G. Woodson initiated the first celebration of what was then called Negro History Week, February 7th, 1926, which of course eventually became Black History Month. And this month we will be focused on what I am calling living history. There are people among us who are living history and our guest today is one of those. He is the 10th chancellor at Southern Illinois University Edwardsville and the first Black man to ever hold that title. Please welcome Dr. James T. Minor. It's good to see you again. How are you?
1: I'm wonderful. Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: Before we talk about you being a proud son of Detroit, am I right?
1: That is correct.
0: (laughs) Talk to me about what what it means to you to be the first in this regard at SIUE.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you. It, it's um, it, it's amazing. And the way that I have discussed this has um, been in two parts. One, I think there's an extraordinary sense of pride in the African American community to have the first Black Chancellor serving here at SIUE. And I hear that in lots of different ways. When I meet alumni who were here in the 50s in the 60s in the 70s um who may not have imagined that an african-american chancellor would be named here at siue Uh, i meet people all the time and there's just an extraordinary sense of pride um when i talk to students who without personal or intimate knowledge of having that kind of relationship are very empowered by the fact that someone who looks like them with a background that may be similar um, occupies this seat. So it has been empowering. And every day I, there's a reminder of what it means to so many other people. Um, the, the other side of that is that for me, it I have an extraordinary sense of responsibility um, to make good on the opportunity, um, not just as the first African-American chancellor in the seat, um, but for the university and the and the power that this university has to make someone else the first, right in some capacity, in some industry, in some sector of our society, so it has been remarkable.
0: So let's talk about the proud son of Detroit then. In talking about the journey and the path, uh, who were you as that young boy, and did and did that boy think that he would be? Uh, a, a baker, a candlestick maker, uh, 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 an NFL player? What? What? Do, I was trying to rhyme there, Dr. Martin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, first, let me say thank you for underscoring the fact that I, I was born and raised in Detroit. Because I arrived to SIUE from Southern California, some people assume that I, I am – a Californian. And so on a day like today, where maybe snow falling from the sky, people feel that they have to check in on me. <laughs> and it's a great opportunity for me to remind them that, you know, I, I grew up in Detroit, walking to school uh, in the snow. So so it, it for me, uh, two things happened for me in Detroit. One is my work ethic and what it means to, to to sort of have what people call Midwestern values, I think have served me well over my lifetime. Um, I have a, a paternal grandmother who retired from General Motors after 36 years. And I often remind people to think about what it must have been like for a woman to work at General Motors for 36 years before automation, Right. So sort of grow up watching your grandmother come to and from an automotive factory that's a sort of in my DNA um, where I come from. Everybody in my family grew up and the dream uh, was to be what we call blue collar rich. And so you met you would graduate from high school. You go to work at Ford Motor Company, GM or Chrysler for people who remember Chrysler. And that was the path to it to the middle class. Um, I was fortunate enough to have an opportunity to go to college and um, and to do other things. I ended up, ironically, with a group of um, uh, people in my professional cohort who were now engineers in these automotive companies. And so I have family members working in the factory, and I have friends who were occupying executive suites which is a very um, interesting intersection for me. So so growing up in Detroit was great. I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It gave me a, a really strong work ethic. And I, I think sort of blue collar sensibilities that you wouldn't expect someone with my background professionally to have. So I, I think a lot of people can relate to that and um, it's been wonderful.
0: Neither of my parents had college degrees. My father dropped out in the eighth grade, actually, and eventually joined the military. My three older brothers did go. So by the time I come along, college was an expectation, right? I wonder who gave you that expectation if you were in a blue collar setting, and I love the phrase blue collar rich, who then gave you the sense that you could break out of the norm and become a college student and a college graduate.
1: Well, so it's such an interesting question because you're right, blue-collar rich is a real thing. This meant the people I knew who worked at Ford Motor Company, GM or Chrysler drove Cadillacs, uh they own boats that they would put uh in the Detroit River and and uh the surrounding lakes in the state of Michigan. And so it was something to aspire to. They right. own homes, right? Um I sort of grew up on this cusp right where the opportunities that were in what some might refer to as a white collar sector became available to my generation of students and I one of the things that I tell our students it it wasn't until my senior year in high school second semester that the athletic director in my high school stopped me and asked me where I was going to college and I shrugged my shoulders. I had no plan. I hadn't applied to any colleges or university. He stopped what he was doing long enough to call me into his office. He happened to be a Jackson State University alumnus and made a connection. This was before you could apply online, before you could look up anything on the internet. I made a phone call to get a paper application, and that is how I ended up in college. I mean, you should think about that. So anytime I, there's a sort of one interaction at a at a time, one student at a time, the moral for me of that story is that you never know what one interaction can mean for a young person, number one, and number two, to never be too busy. to to sort of stop and ask how things are going for a student. His name was Cecil Forbes. I will never forget him, Uh, but that that is how uh, I got to college, is that he stopped what he was doing long enough to, to ask me that question.
0: He is the 10th Chancellor at Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville. Dr. James T. Minor, you are indeed living history. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for the opportunity. This has been great.